no harmonies here uh, for this particular song. We just want to punch it across for what it is. So sing in unison if you guys don't mind. All right. This is Kendall Paul, the preacher's kid. Today I want to get into more of the nitty-gritty of being a PK at 10 years old. Would you have liked to walk in my shoes? Well, you better listen to this episode first before you put them on. Then you decide. Okay, all the boys are warming up here for the postlude. I'll go ahead and tell the story. The way I saw it. In the service of Christ our King, I became a young ten-year-old Christian warrior, armed with the breastplate of righteousness and the sword of truth, my Bible. In young people's meetings before evening service, we had contests to see who could locate a specific scripture verse the fastest. My dad would announce the book and chapter and verse, then announce, Raise your swords, Bibles, dramatically pausing to see that we all had our arms straight up with Bible in hand. He'd say, Go. I was a pretty good soldier and good with the sword because I had memorized the books in Old and New Testament in the order that they appeared in the Bible. Once I found the book, in the Old Testament was a tough fight because there were so many books with multi-syllabic names. Finding the chapter and verse was the easy part. My father decided that the congregation ought to make a concerted effort to spread our beliefs around town. So, on Sunday afternoons, We'd often be going house to house, handing out tracts, little pieces of glossy paper with a brief story and message of salvation with quotes from scripture. Dad often handed them to the toll booth attendants on our family vacations to New York, PA, and once Wyoming. I personally loathed going to the houses of strangers and pushing a track into their door. One Sunday, Dad drove a bunch of us up and down county roads in the countryside to evangelize. It was a soldierly thing to do. I knew this from the popular course in churches like ours. Onward, Christian soldiers, marching as to war, with the cross of Jesus going on before. Christ the royal master leads against the fall forward into battle see his banners go the fall in the outside world that we assailed was the devil I should have been glad to join in this battle of good versus evil I should have been proud to be serving in the Lord's army but I wasn't the tension between church and the world I lived began to take its toll on me as a budding adolescent. By sixth grade, I had developed several weird vocal tics and cracked my knuckles a lot. One vocal tick was a snort and bursting prayer mumbled in seconds after a wicked thought entered my mind. Please forgive me. In Jesus' name, amen. 
To anybody else, it might have sounded like grunting sounds, but that's what I said. I also stretched my mouth by opening my jaws as wide as possible. This is something I was self-conscious of and hoped no one saw it. I can't help but thinking, however, that my fifth and sixth grade teachers might have noticed. The last war path I treaded as a Christian soldier took place on a cloudy Sunday afternoon. I was in Dad's car going up and down county roads in the countryside surrounding Lincoln. The car stopped at a shanty place with a lot of chickens and geese pecking around in the front yard. I cautiously made my way to the door, slid the track into the frame, and turned to walk as quickly away as possible until I was attacked by two large white geese squawking and chasing me, pecking at the tender back of my thighs. They frightened me, and my soldierly Christian courage vanished as I raced back to the car in a panic. Once in third grade, I brought my Bible sword to class with encouragement from my parents. At the starting bell, I placed it on the upper right-hand corner of my desktop, plainly visible for all classmates and teachers to see. As the morning wore on, once again my courage as a Christian soldier ebbed, and I placed it inside the desk where it remained for a couple of weeks. Its presence seemed to broadcast my separation from the world of my classmates, which embarrassed me who wanted so badly to be a part of their world, to feel like I belonged and not left out of the social milieu. Once again, I had failed on the battleground as I drew the Bible back into the desk, wishing that I could be a part of the world outside the church. I prayed for forgiveness. Please forgive me in Jesus' name, amen. By the time I reached high school, I still felt embarrassed because I was regarded as a church boy and left out of all social occasions outside of school. I was never invited to birthday parties of classmates or school dances. I had to sit out gym classes when the square dancing unit was going on in junior high school. By the time I graduated from high school, I no longer asked for God's forgiveness under my breath. I felt like a spiritual traitor to my Christian faith, like a Judas, and learned to hate, to hate feeling left out, feeling awkward and embarrassed about my associations with the fundamentalist church to hate being separate from the world, to hate being separate from myself. I felt like a castaway on a shitty little island, miles apart from the church and the world. This separation drove me crazy for the first decades of my young life. My shining breastplate of righteousness grew tarnished until I threw down my sword and left my soldier's armor in a smoking heap somewhere on the battlefield otherwise known as no man's land. I could take no more than I could take care of. I knew that. But that occurred when I tried to take on more and more as I scanned future horizons for possibilities of making an independent living. I was scared that in the tsunami of life I would fold up and slump under the role. That role I hear sung about in church. That role is yonder. That role will be called up yonder when we get up yonder. 
that roll of lucky winners will be called, they will be called up yonder. And when the roll is called up yonder, when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. Suddenly I found myself growing into life at a crawling pace. Like those nightmares of running in slow motion, a lot of anxiety is spent in the growth process or else in absence of it. Grinding gears is commonly used to describe this state of being. Either way, that is the broadest statement I can make at this point in my life. And probably a spiritual level is to be added to the biology of the anxiety part, which brings me back to the point earlier about inevitable tension pervading the church sphere such that the metaphysical surface tension the sphere's walls secures the church as a viable entity for fundamentalist believers. It protects them. In unity there is strength. At that level of thought, one would think that no further growth is necessary beyond the limits allowed by the church. Now the rules come into play about combating evil. Limits whose human minions gather in the world on the other side of the surface tension, batting at the thin coating of tightly held molecules, beliefs, like moths against the light of the church. The rules of play, limits, are constructed according to purpose, anchored in the church's readings and studies of scripture, and that is pretty damn scary for some of us. Variations in belief and practice unique to each church are based on scriptural readings and their interpretation which form the substance of this protective dome overarching the church body. This protective layer of surface tension, a transitory state of buffer against infiltration by the world, inevitably unravels and sheds its cocoon. The tension dissipates and goes somewhere else. One need only examine the story of Puritan in New England and the proliferation of church denominations that eventually led to its desiccation. I was the moth on the inside batting against the surface of the church cell to get out and join those projected emissaries of an evil world. I think I have done the best I can to convey the vicissitudes of being a good Christian soldier. The church turned dark for me at an early age. My spirit tried to grow under the suffocating dome of this church affiliation with the General Association of Regular Baptist Churches, GARBC. Surprisingly, my dad's spirit as the pastor was suppressed and led to his leaving the ministry in my mid-teens and becoming an English prop at U of Maine in Machias. That was an immense relief from the surface tension in my life. I rejoice in my rebirth as someone who was not a preacher's kid in a new school in my sophomore year. Little did I expect that I would resume battle as a Christian trying to get out from under the church and join the outside world. The battle intensified from mid-teens to early twenties. I fought the best I could, which was not in itself very good. 
Now that the protective layer of church had broken over me, I scrambled for identity as a worldly figure, which didn't turn out so hot for the following five decades. Well, that wasn't such a happy ending, was it? Well, I tell you, that wasn't the worst thing that happened to me. But hey, when you get to wear the armor of the Lord's army, the geese shouldn't have made a dent. But I had bruises on the back of my legs to show for it, let me tell you. You know, I think I want to get more into the nitty-gritty of what it was like being a PK in the next episode. I think we'll talk about the physical structure of my church back then. It was the armory from which we issued forth each Sunday to fight that damned devil. So, until then, my friend, may you find your way. This is your friend, PK. Oh.